Yeah. Hey, this is my 800 music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been persuaded, see, I see the Savior, I see His grace is amazing. I persevere to the end. I'm on land. It sound off. He's irresistible. Only our prayers on. Welcome to the All Truth is God's Truth program. Since God is our sovereign creator, all truth belongs to Him. All truth is from the Father, through the Son, and by the Spirit. Therefore, the pursuit of truth must be by the Spirit, through the Son, to the Father. I'm your host, Jared Moore. Now, I've got two segments for you today. The first is called, Ten Myths About Lust. If you lust, if you struggle with lust, the sin of lust, it's time to take responsibility for your sin. Now that's not bad news, that's good news, because if you take responsibility for your sin, that means that you can repent. You know, lust is not something that happens to you, it's something you choose to participate in, and you can choose not to participate in due to the finished work of Christ and due to the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. And not only that, the second segment is called Dressing Immodestly, Nine Negative Things You Encourage. It's time for Christians not only to take responsibility for their lust, but it's time for Christians to take responsibility for how they dress and what they encourage others to think in response to how they dress. We have to ask the question when we're putting on our clothes and when we're choosing what to wear, if we're encouraging godly thoughts or ungodly thoughts due to what we wear. Let's dive right into our first segment, 10 Myths About Lust. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 27-28, You have heard that it was said, You shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Lust is always the responsibility of the person who is lusting, according to the Bible. Lust is not something that happens to you. Lust is a sin that you freely choose to participate in. This is not bad news. It's actually good news. If lust is not something that happens to you, but something you choose, it means that you can choose not to lust. And God the Holy Spirit empowers Christians to resist temptation and to live holy lives. Therefore, to resist temptation or to resist temptation, we must reject these ten myths about lust. If you embrace these ten myths about lust, you will find no remedy for your lust. Instead, you will dive into a black hole of sin from which there will seem to be no escape. And so let's embrace the truth by rejecting Rejecting these ten myths about lust. Myth one, I lust because I'm human. No, you lust because you're a sinner. You know, Jesus is fully human too, yet he has never committed the sin of lust. Myth number two, I lust because others dressed immodestly. No, you lust because your wicked heart enjoys the immodesty of others. How others dress does not cause you to lust. Your, your sinful enjoyment of someone else's immodesty causes you to lust. See, the problem is you. The problem is the one who lusts, not everyone else. Myth number three, I lust because I'm not married. No, you lust because you love sex more than God. The Christian life is a, a struggle for our affections and our allegiance. The question is if we will be the slave of Christ or if we will be the slave of sin. You know, we make choices every day that reveal how much we love God. Now, thankfully, we're saved based on God's perfect love for us in Christ, not based on our inconsistent love or our imperfect love for Him. Nevertheless, Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments in John 14, 15. 
thing. So if we love him, we should pursue keeping his commandments. In this case, by seeking not to lust. Myth number four, I lust because I desire marriage. No, you lust because you desire sexual immorality. Desiring sexual morality is the opposite of desiring marriage. A desire for marriage is a desire for sexual morality within marriage. And if you truly desired marriage, you wouldn't lust because lust by definition is seeking sexual fulfillment outside of marriage. Myth number five, I lust because I cannot help it. No, you lust because you willfully choose sin over holiness. And if you habitually lust, you've developed a a lustful habit. And the answer is to repent and turn to Christ habitually. So live out the holiness that God expects of us until we develop new holy habits. Myth number six, I lust because my spouse is not as interested in sex as I am. No, you lust because you desire sex more than you desire God. Husbands and wives, according to Scripture, are one flesh. Genesis 2.24, Mark 10, verse 8. Your spouse's needs are your needs. This includes sexual needs. Husbands and wives should meet their spouse's sexual needs. If anyone should control the sexual frequency in marriage, it's the person with the most active libido, not the person with the least active libido, according to the Apostle Paul. You know, the Apostle Paul encourages um, Christians in Corinth, according to 1 Corinthians 7, 1-5, he tells them, It is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman, but because of the temptation to sexual morality, each man should have his own wife and each woman her own husband. The husband should give to his wife her conjugal rights, and likewise the wife to her husband. For the wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. Likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. And then he says this, Do not deprive one another except perhaps by agreement for a limited time that you may devote yourselves to prayer, but then come together again, so that Satan may not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. And see, so the person with the active, the most active libido in the marriage should control the frequency of coming together in the marriage bed between a husband and wife. However, if a spouse is unable to meet these needs, these sexual needs, or if he or she refuses to meet these needs, the spouse whose sexual needs are not being met still has a responsibility to exercise self-control, which is a fruit of the Holy Spirit, according to Galatians 5, 22 and 23. In other words, God's grace should be sufficient for you unless you love sex more than God. Myth number seven, I lust because my spouse does not appreciate me. No, you lust because you believe God is too small to meet your needs abundantly. God's acceptance of you due to Christ's finished work should be enough for you to remain faithful to Him. Living out, I'll serve you God faithfully if my spouse appreciates me. That actually reveals our idolatry. No one is driven to lust by being unappreciated by his or her spouse. Only one runs to lust or to God, and only God can satisfy us. If you're if you're running to lust, it cannot satisfy you. It's going to leave you empty because you were not made for lust. You were made for God's glory. Myth number eight, I lust because I believe God's image bearers are beautiful or handsome. No, you lust because you reject God's creation. You're rejecting his image bearers. Those who lust objectify God's image bearers, reducing his divine image to a mere object of immoral, non-consensual, one-sided sexual gratification. Myth number nine, I lust because sexuality is pervasive in my godless culture. No, you lust because you want to be like your godless culture. Myth number 10, if I fulfill my lust, they will go away. 
No, the remedy for lustful desires is for you to deny yourself, starve, starve your lust, pick up your cross, and follow Christ. Luke 9.23 The only answer for a lustful heart is constant repentance and faith in Christ. We must believe God rather than man, whether man is everyone else in society or others who are trying to encourage us towards lust, or even ourselves. We must believe God over ourselves. God is more beautiful and more valuable than fulfilling our lustful desires. And if you embrace and meditate on his beauty, all sin will appear ugly and detestable and a waste of time. You know, listener, I realize that this podcast may appear to be a heavy burden to bear, but I'm trying to free you, not burden you. You are not a victim of your lustful heart. You are a willful participant. The moment you start taking responsibility for your lust is the moment you start to pursue victory in God by the Spirit through the Son to the Father. True freedom is found in holiness not in succumbing to our lustful hearts. And if you obey your lustful heart, you will never satisfy it. You will only increase its appetite for lust. Instead of choosing slavery, I invite you to choose freedom in Christ. And to choose freedom in Christ is to choose holiness, to choose purity. And so I want to encourage you in your pursuit of being like Christ. Now let's dive into our second segment, Dressing Immodestly, Nine Negative Responses You Encourage. Now, I spent the first segment wrestling with lust and how lust is the responsibility of the person who is lusting. And modesty is the same way. Modesty is the responsibility of the person who is dressing either modestly or or immodestly. You have to take responsibility, ladies, for how you dress. And since, if you're a Christian, since you're bought with a price, you're not your own. You belong to the Lord now. And so you can't just wear whatever you want. You can't just dress however you want. You have to dress with the Lord in mind. And the main question is if, if the Lord is pleased with you. And only that, but you have a responsibility to love God and to love your neighbors. You, you should care about your brothers and sisters in Christ. It's not just ladies, it's men as well who dress immodestly. We should dress in such a way that brings honor and glory to the Lord. When people look at us, they shouldn't be tempted to look at us in a sexual way, in part due to how we dress. If we are seeking to be looked at in a sexual manner, then we have, we are responsible not for the other person's lust, but we're responsible for intentionally tempting them instead of dressing for the glory of God. And so, uh, ladies, I want you to know there's not one single positive thing f- you encourage from men when you dress immodestly. You know, if you choose to bring attention to yourself sexually by dressing immodestly, here's some negative things that you encourage that you're, you're tempting other others. Um, one is a denial of your mind. By encouraging men to look at you sexually, you encourage them to not think about the fact that you have a mind. If a man does not care about your mind, he does not care about you. If he is objectifying you and you're encouraging to him to, in, in a sense you're dressing in such a way where you literally want him to objectify you, then he is going to treat you like an object and not like a person. He's going to treat you like a thing and not an image bearer. Number two, you encourage a denial of your value. You are more valuable than your physical appearance and your sexual availability. Your value comes ultimately from your creator. You're made in his image for the purpose of reflecting him. 
according to Genesis 1, 26-28. And by encouraging men to focus on you sexually, you do not encourage them to value the main elements that make you valuable in God's eyes. Number three, a denial of your need for provision. Although we live in a growing uh, egalitarian society, Christian women should want their husbands to be their primary providers, according to uh, 1 Timothy 5.8, Ephesians 5.28-29. But whenever you encourage young men to look at you as a sex object, you encourage them to not consider how they can provide for you as faithful Christian husbands. Number four, a denial of your need for protection. You know, in the scriptures, husbands are expected to protect their wives, according to 1 Peter 3, 7. And when a man is looking at you sexually and he is not your husband, he is unconcerned about protecting you. He's unconcerned about being one flesh with you. If he was concerned about protecting you, he would desire to protect you before he looked at you sexually. In other words, marriage and protection are a result of love and come before sex. Number five, a denial of your value as God's image bearer. When you encourage men to view you as a sex object, you encourage them to see you as created in the likeness of some of something less than the image of God. You might be a little higher than the animals in their eyes. Number six, a denial of God's value in creating all the elements that make you a human being. If you're a professed Christian, then you represent Christ in all that you do, including in how you dress. And by portraying yourself as a public object for sexual lust, you encourage young men to value your appearance above everything else about you. Thus, you encourage them to only value God's creating ability in your outward appearance. Every element of you was fearfully and wonderfully made, not just your appearance. According to Genesis 1, 27, Psalm 139, 14. Number 7. A denial of your humanity. Your humanity includes more than you being viewed as an avenue for sexual fulfillment. If you're stripped of everything except your sexual worth, then you're diminished to something less than human, slightly above an animal. If that, if you think deeply about this, thousands of women are being sold into the sex trade every year. Their owners value them only in a sexual way. And so the question is, is why would you voluntarily encourage men to only value you in a sexual way? Number eight, a denial of your good works. If you encourage a man to look at your body instead of your good works, you encourage him to selfishly use you instead of enjoying the Lord. Listen to 1 Timothy 2.10. talks about emphasizing what is proper for women who profess godliness with good works. And so your good works should be the emphasis and not something else. You know, I was reminded of the lead singer of Flyleaf. Um, Flyleaf is a, a rock band, um, but the lead singer was a Christian, and they actually toured with the uh, band Corn. And she was talking about how while she was on tour, those um, men, even though they were unbelievers at the time, I think a couple of them have professed Christ since then, but they were unbelievers at the time, and they were just hounding her to try to date her, to try try to be, um, you know, her, their, they wanted her to be her, their girlfriend or, um, or whatever you call it. But it was because of her good works. They had never really been around Christian women and they were strangely interesting unbelievers, strangely attracted to this godly woman. So, ladies, you should rather encourage a man to enjoy the Lord through enjoying you sexually within marriage instead of encouraging men to sinfully enjoy you without enjoying the Lord because it's impossible for men to enjoy the Lord by looking at you as a sex object. And number nine, a hiding of God's glory. When you encourage men to check out your body instead of your face, you encourage them to look at you sexually and act that only your husband should, should participate in. You know, if you're a Christian, your goal should be to encourage others to run to Christ by 
encouraging men to look at you sexually, you encourage them to run to sin instead of communicating by your modesty that your body's not for sexual morality, but is for the Lord. You are not your own, for you are bought with the blood of Christ. How you dress either reveals this truth or hides it. You know, this could go for either men or women. Men, it seems today, are becoming more and more objectified as well. You know, they're being looked at sexually and well with how movies are today but there's more objectification of men going on it seems but ladies I I want to encourage you to seek to glorify the Lord in how you dress and the same way with men because God's glory is the goal not society standards or trying to encourage men or women to look at us inappropriately so live for God's glory All Truth is God's Truth is a bi-weekly podcast written and produced by me Jared Moore. If you enjoyed the podcast, please leave a five-star review. Also, if you enjoyed the show, you want to encourage me to keep at it, you want to buy me a cup of coffee. You can donate on my website, jaredmoore.exaltchrist.com. You can also find me on social media, on Twitter at Jared H. Moore, or on my website, or on Facebook at All Truth Is God's Truth. Until next time, enjoy God and His grace by taking all truth and connecting it back to its rightful owner, by the Spirit, through the Son, to the Father. I see the Savior, I see His grace is amazing, I persevered to the end.